When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to The Therapy Podcast with your host, Shloimi Balsam. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Therapy Podcast. How we doing? I hope you guys are all well. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about ethical issues in group work. Therapy is often on a one-on-one Basis. It's just two people sitting in a room, but there are tremendous advantages to working with a group. You get a lot more done. You can have people working off each other. We may have mentioned that in with family therapy. But there are ethical issues that come up which will not display themselves in a one-on-one. So let's talk about those ethical issues today. There are recommendations when training group workers. First of all, they should partake in personal psychotherapy. They should know themselves well before taking on an entire group of people. They have to be the bedrock of the session. Self-exploration and experiential groups are a great, great way to expand your abilities as a therapist. As well as participation in a training and supervisory group. So here's some of the ethical issues in the diversity training of group workers. Group counselors emphasize appreciate and respect. They accept all cultures and racial identities from all cultures. Group counselors strive to increase their awareness of their own multicultural identity. Group counselors consider the impact of adverse social, environmental, and political factors when assessing problems and designing interventions. Group counselors acquire the knowledge and skills necessary for effectively working with the diverse range of members in their groups. You never know who's going to show up. Sometimes it is limited to a certain clientele, but even in whatever you know setting you, you arranged, each person sitting there is going to be different and you can't zone in like okay this is one type because you have a group and no one can fall fall in the cracks it's quite challenging in that regard group counseling the counselors of group counseling should seek consultation they should have supervision and they should further their education to fill in the gaps that they may be missing in therapy in general and to stay current Group counselors should be aware of problems involved in stereotyping and avoiding making those erroneous assumptions that there are no differences between group members from the same ethnic, ethnic, racial, or other group. Don't even begin to think that everyone sitting in front of you is the same. Group counselors respect the roles of family and community hierarchies within the client's culture. Realize that this person comes from a background which is different than yours and different from the guy sitting right next to him. And... That's going to play a role in the way he perceives things. The group counselors 
assist members in determining those instances when their difficulties stem from someone else's racism or bias so that they don't in- inappropriately personalize problems. Group counselors inform members about basic values that are implicit in the group process. They should know about self-disclosure, reflecting on their lives, and taking risks. You're standing up in front of a group and uh, trusting them. Group counselors should increase their awareness of how myths, stereotypes, and assumptions they learn by living in social influences. Uh, all, All of these messages from society, it influences their work when dealing with groups. There are different skills that you want to pick up when working with a group. Um, You should create new ways of developing groups, uh, identifying members in order to promote equity, access, harmony, and participation. You want everyone to get along and connect with each other. That's really where the magic and the uniqueness of group therapy comes to life. Group counselors promote egalitarianism, which is that everyone has is equal in in regards to this therapy session there is no you know there's the leader and he definitely has a different role than everyone else but otherwise everyone is on the same playing field group counselors should promote this by educating the group members about their rights know what your obligations are here and if everyone's obligated to respect each other and give them their space and their respect then you can expect that in return. I, I like pushing um, obligations rather than rights because rights is a very selfish way of perceiving, of getting what I need, as opposed to if everyone just takes on the giving side of things, then it's a group of givers instead of a group of takers. And You can go a lot further with that. You connect a lot, a, a lot deeper by giving. Group counselors establish norms that accept value and respect cultural differences. The group counselors should model relationship skills that are basic to establishing and maintaining and maintaining connections between multicultural group members. When dealing with the co-leaders of a group, especially in larger groups, you want more than one person uh, leading sitting at the at the head. Uh, co-leaders who complement and balance each other can provide useful modeling for members, uh, share responsibilities, and and provide mutual support. When one person says you make a great point, it's a little less impactful than when two people look at you and say, that's a great point. Drawbacks to the co-leadership model include ineffective communication, you really have to be on the same page, competition between the leaders, and over-dependence on the co-leader. He, he is, at the end of the day, second fiddle, and the actual leader shouldn't rely on him too heavily. There's also issues such as unresolved conflicts between the leaders that can result in splitting the group. Co-leaders need to be committed to identify and resolve issues that interfere with them working effectively in the group. That takes a lot of introspection. Realize, where am I holding? What am I thinking? And does that negatively impact what's happening here in the the greater entity? Supervision should include opportunities for co-leaders to explore personal beliefs and perspectives about co-facilitation. They should be, on a regular basis, consulting with a superior to understand and develop an understanding of their role 
as the leader's assistant. Some of the here are some of the issues, the ethical issues that come up in group membership. There needs to be informed consent. Uh, there's going to be complications in screening and selection. You have to prepare the group participants. Their issues arise with involuntary participation. And there always must be a freedom to leave the group. There are psychological risks. And confidentiality within the group is very important. There are some exceptions to confidentiality. There's the issues of confidentiality when it comes to minors, someone under 18. And confidentiality with online groups. It's unethical for group leaders to use techniques that are unfamiliar to the members to serve a hidden agenda or enhance his own power or to solely create an intense atmosphere. It's unethical to pressure members or deprive them of their dignity. A group leader needs to be honest and constantly evaluate and assess his agenda, what he's going for, what his motivations are. And he should be at a position where he is building up each member, individually and as a group. The techniques that he used should have a therapeutic purpose. They should be grounded in a theoretical framework. You should know basically what we're doing here. What are we going for? What's the trajectory for this group? This next step should be leading towards a goal, be it today or down the road. There has to be a purpose to what I'm doing. The client's self-exploration should be fostered. Let them talk out their issues, their thoughts, their ideas, their epiphanies. Leaders should modify their techniques for cultural diverse clients. Make sure what you're doing here molds and is the best option for the person you're dealing with. If you have a a, uh, clear-cut black and white plan of what you do with every single group, it might not work as well with one group as it will another, so be aware of that and modify accordingly. The process shouldn't be haphazard. Don't just say, oh, you know what, today I'm going to just, let's try this technique, see, see how it goes. They should be introduced. Each technique that he's going to do with this group should be introduced in a timely and sensitive manner. Don't rush into it. Make sure everyone understands what we're doing and why. The group should be given the freedom to participate or pass on any experiment. The leader should be familiar with the techniques. So that they'll be effective and uh, he'll be able to do a good job in implementing them. They should be aware of the potential impact of techniques. Know, know what this might do. Confidentiality and issues of privacy take on added dimensions when group members and leaders communicate via the internet. Research focused on the intersection of digital technology and therapy is still in its infancy. Group workers need to prepare themselves to receive a friend request from either current or former members of the groups that they lead. This seemingly straightforward request is quite complex and requires a great deal of reflection. In a closed group, 
the task of leaders is to help members review their individual work and the evolving patterns from the first and final session. What did we accomplish until now? How did you guys respond to it? Reflect and debrief on what we did. And that can very often be the most impactful conversation in over months. Because you do a technique, an activity, an experiment. And it's awesome and it's great and it's inspiring. But when you look back and you realize, holy cow, that actually helped. That kind of didn't. That was the perfect thing for me. And you can match things up and, and understand yourself and appreciate what you did. Lock it in. Informed consent involves t- talking with group members from the beginning of a group experiment about the ending and how to terminate productively. This is what we're going to do. This is how the projected ending is going to look. If you need to stop at any time, this is how we will go about it in a productive way. Teach members to give adequate notice when they decide it's time to terminate. If you feel like things are starting to get rough and you don't feel comfortable in this group, let me know and we'll decide together. We'll feel through, you know, we'll go through what you're feeling and see if this should be your last session. Maybe we'll try one more and wind down if it's time to leave. If the member's intention to leave is not adequately discussed in the group, this can undermine potentially valuable group experiences when one guy just books. An ideal termination is one that has been mutually agreed upon by the member and the leader and for which there is sufficient time to work through the process of loss and separation. Assist members who are leaving with reviewing what they have learned in the group and what they will intend to do with this learning. What have you accomplished? That worked well for you? Okay, how are you going to take that with you? Leaving a group setting is a very, very big step because you're taking away your support. And it would be such a waste if all of that investment went down the drain the second you walked out the door. The remaining group members... They often have reactions about the loss of a member. Give them an opportunity to express their thoughts and feelings. Let's talk for a minute about communal and social justice perspectives. There's direct community services, which is preventive education, indirect community service, which is influencing policymakers, direct client services, which focuses on outreach activities, and indirect client services, which is client advocacy. The social justice perspective rests on the assumption that all people have a right to equitable treatment and a fair allocation of societal resources, including decision-making. Some of the ethics codes refer to the role of a social justice advocacy as an ethical mandate. The goal of counseling is to promote the empowerment of people who are marginalized and oppressed in our society. Courage in dealing with fear is a cornerstone of doing multicultural social justice work. This perspective of social justice, it's referred to as a fifth force that entails a paradigm shift beyond the individual. You're bigger than just yourself. What's going on in society in general? Although not all counselors will have the time or energy to affect major institutional change, every single counselor has the ability 
to work towards some kind of social change. It's necessary to acquire a set of social justice and advocacy competencies. Know how to deal with social justice. There's something called a community counseling practitioner. What this, this job involves, the ability to support community needs, develop partnerships in creation and delivery of services, promote community organization and development of activities, outreach, develop strategies to empower the community, as well as influence policymakers. The community counseling practitioner would consult with community agencies, evaluate human services, services programs. They would advocate and assist with initiatives, develop and build community assets. You should know that there's very few things that are as rewarding, emotionally rewarding, as building up an entire community, an entire society. And you can look back at that and say, I made a, a big difference beyond an individual. And individuals are worlds of themselves. But sometimes working with a community and being, so to speak, the community counselor, um, you can affect you know, hundreds, thousands at a time. Counselors who are dissatisfied with an agency or the system, they may decide to subvert in any way they can, conform to institutional policies out of fear, or make compromises between institutional demands and personal requirements. Of course, they could potentially just leave the agency. There are alternative counselor roles. You could change agencies. Um, you could get a hold of a consultant, an advisor. Uh, you can advocate. You could be the facilitator of indigenous support systems or the facilitator of indigenous healing systems. This is taking group therapy to an entire community or it's like a, it's like a uh, group therapy on steroids. It's the entire group. Think of the bigger group, right? You could have a group sitting in a room or you could have a group that's sitting in a city. Group psychotherapy in general rests on the assumption that people need to move from a state of isolation and make contact with others who share common interests. One-on-one -on -one therapy is incredible, but there is a certain aloneness, a solidarity in that. And the contact with other people, being able to look more than just the therapist in the eye when expressing yourself can be very helpful. The composition of a therapy group is determined and managed by an expert who can articulate appropriate needs and direction. Uh, he can put together a collection of people matched with those capacities and interests. Design the group in a way um, based on the trajectory that you have. You know, if you see, you know, we have 30 people signed up and 20 of them would gain from this style meetings and this, um, this trajectory this design, this therapy design, then then you would say, okay, you 20 sitting in a room together, you can all accomplish tremendously. By going through this process together, the other 10 will have to put you together in another group to deal with some commonality that you have. Uh, group psychotherapy is an effective treatment for a wide variety of patients in outpatient or inpatient settings. It is an important aspect of a treatment team, especially for the more distressed patients. But... They can stand alone for individuals who are more resilient and inner-directed. Research shows that group therapy is as effective as individual or pharma pharmacotherapy over a course of a patient's recovery. So, 
statistically you won't lose anything by joining a group therapy. The economics of group psychotherapy are a compelling argument in a climate of shrinking dollars for mental health care. It costs a fraction of the price to put one or two therapists in a room with 20 people than to do one-on-one sessions. So that is definitely a plus and a reason to uh, support group therapy when it is appropriate and it will be effective. I hope you learned something. I know I definitely did. Thanks for listening and learning with me. Feel free to reach out to me at askmetherapy at gmail.com for any questions or comments that you may have. And I'll see you soon. Bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.